Welcome to episode 15 of The Journey is the Reward. I'm Brian Coleman. I'm here with my co-host, my captain on this journey, Micah. The opening song was performed by the very talented Madaliso Youth Choir. Hope everyone's enjoying that. I've been a frequent flyer for a large portion of my life. Most of my travels have been on United Airlines. As a result of flying around the world, I've flown over 2 million miles as a member of their Mileage Plus program. With this, I have earned lifetime platinum status. This year, I set a new goal for myself, and I want to fly 3 million miles, which will earn me 1K status for life. On the show, Mike and I will discuss the passenger experience on my flights, planning and booking of these flights, experience with other travelers, and who knows what else. Our goal is to document the journey as it is the reward. So let's get started. Hi, Micah. Welcome back to the show. How have you been? Hey, I've been doing really good, but wondering where you've been. We haven't done a show in I don't know how long. Yeah, it seems like a really long time. And that's because I didn't want to travel over the summer because I thought that things were, I don't know, going to melt down and not turn out so well. And I seem to have been right over that. It's kind of been a disaster in Airlineville. Oh, it really has been miserable. As we record this yesterday, British Air announced that they are still going to hold back on any small local short haul flights from London Heathrow, meaning if you're flying into Heathrow and you were planning to go on from someplace else, like within the UK on British Air, that ain't happening right now. They've canceled those flights. Shippel has extended their turn down until uh, September or October. It's just still a terrible mess out there. Frankfurt's been terrible as well. Plus they had the employee strike that compounded their problem. So it's just not been good. Right. And you know what the really the worst part of this whole thing is, is that we don't know when or if it's ever going to get better. Yeah. Pretty scary. It is. But something for content for us to talk about this week, as I said that I wasn't going to fly, I actually ended up flying. So here we are. We'll talk about that later on in the show. Before we get to that, we still have some listeners. We haven't chased them all away. And they've written back to us. We figured out that we have at least 16 listeners because when the stats come in, we have listeners in 16 different countries. So there's got to be at least 16 of you listening. And we thank each and every one of you individually. If we had your names. We would actually, if you're right in and let us know where you're listening from. Sure. If you want, we'll mention your name on the show as well. So who did we hear from this week? Well, we actually got a reply to our feedback from listener Ulrike. And she loved my answer to her question. And now I'm trying to remember what her original question was. It was something about what time of day we prefer flying. I believe if we like the nighttime flights or morning flights. And of course, my reply was, it depends. And she wrote in quotes, it depends with a smiley face and then love it. Thanks for answering the question. So <laughs> well, it does depend. It does. And that's pretty much what our answer was, is it really depends on when we prefer to fly. If it's daytime or nighttime, it depends where we're going. It depends if there's a connection or not. So it just, it really all depends. And the reason for your flight as well, because if you absolutely positively have to get there, you want to leave as early as you possibly can. But if you want to just travel and relax, you don't care. You just look for the cheapest. Absolutely. Now, one of the other things that she wrote in, because I haven't flown on American all that much recently, and they've, of course, have changed the boarding process and boarding groups. And she wrote in because she was actually on an American Airlines flight. And she wrote saying that there are nine boarding groups with American. So they have a few more than United does with their six. And she said that the first four are the ones for people with status, people that, that hold credit cards. 
and that there are actually two different types of boarding passes that American has. One where you, the type of pass you get at the ticket counter, which is what I got because I had to check a suitcase, and the other is through the kiosk. And the thing that I was commenting on with the ticket through the kiosk, I was saying it didn't show what time the plane boarded, but the kiosk boarding passes show the boarding time. So that was really cool that they do that. So now I know if I ever fly on American again and check a suitcase, which again, based on what we were talking about earlier with all the airport troubles and turbulence going on in, in airports, I'm not sure if I will ever check a suitcase ever again. But if I have to, I think what I'm going to do is get a boarding pass from the ticket counter and then go to a kiosk and get another one. So I know when the actual boarding time is. That's a good idea. And who knows, maybe you'll be in a better group if you get the second one. Yeah, maybe. And that's sort of the last thing that Ulrike had to say is uh, she said, I'm still surprised that you didn't board in group four. I believe I was in group five or group six. I can't remember, but I was further down the list uh, because I do have lifetime gold status at American. And she theorized that maybe it's because I paid for my ticket with miles instead of revenue. And I was thinking maybe I didn't give them my number, but because I paid for the ticket with miles, you would think that they'd have my number. So maybe I was supposed to do something twice. I just don't know. But regardless, um, she cleared that up. I'm sure they have your number and they know your heart belongs with United. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's what it was. And they just wanted to stick it to me and board further towards the end. But that's okay. It was a good flight anyway. And the flight attendants definitely took care of us. That's what's important. Yep. So did we hear from anybody else? We did. Listener Ruben from... From Luxembourg wrote in, and I thought that was really cool having someone from not only Europe, but one of the, I guess, smaller countries. Is Luxembourg one of the micro countries? I think so. I can't remember. You mean like Andorra and Liechtenstein? And I, I honestly don't know. We'd have to rely on Google for that. I think it is. And yes, that's what I mean. A list of micro nations. I'm, I'm on Wikipedia, so it's got to be true. So while you're looking that up, Ruben writes in and says, greetings from Luxembourg. Just started listening after hearing about your show on Airplane Geeks, I love the conversation. Just have to ask, when you get your 1K status, will you keep making episodes, maybe discussing other flights on other airlines? And I think that's a really fantastic question. But since we are a duo here, I don't know, I'd kind of have to ask you. Micah, would you consider continue doing this after I make my 1K status? Absolutely not. I can't stand talking with you. I'm bored with this. It's miserable. We don't get along. There is no way in, in, God's, in God's green earth that I would even think about doing another podcast with you. Yeah, that makes sense. Of course I would. I think I don't know what we'll talk about, but, <laughs> but we'll find something to talk about. For example, we might be able to say something like, Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I think I, I hope I didn't insult anybody in Luxembourg, but it's not one of the micro nations. Micro nations in Europe are Andorra, Liechtenstein, Monaco, Malta, San Marino, the Sovereign Order of St. John, and Vatican City. Ooh. See, this is an educational podcast as well. And I should have known that because my father was stationed in Luxembourg. And in fact, I got a story about him that'll probably be coming up on the Airplane Geek sometime soon. Okay. So we'll have to continue to listen to the Airplane Geeks. I sort of think that after I hit the goal, there's not really going to be much to talk about. I don't know how much traveling I'm planning on doing, although I kind of am doing all this. So I do have the uh, upgrade certificates for international travel, and it's not like I don't want to travel anywhere. So 
I don't know. If you're willing to do it, I don't see why not. I think I will be traveling on additional airlines besides United. And that's kind of what happened this past week as well, which is, I guess, the main topic of this show. I'm sure we'll come up with something. We always do. And not only that, the bug's going to hit you again, and you're going to eventually want some kind of lifetime status with American. So they'll really have your number. (laughs) Yeah. Or maybe I could start at the very bottom and choose another airline. Like, I don't know, maybe Delta or Emirates or Air Canada, who knows, and yeah, go for a million miles on them. There we go. Anyways, so speaking of other airlines, you decided that you were going to travel someplace and you were not going to fly on United. You were going to fly on another airline and go to Sacramento, the capital of California. First of all, what brought you to Sacramento and why weren't you flying United? Did you want somebody else to get your number? (laughs) There are two reasons why I flew on Southwest up to Sacramento. Well, the reason why I was going is because my friend needed some help. And this is a longtime dear friend of mine. And she, unfortunately, her father passed away not too long ago. Her mother is in a memory care facility and she just needed some help getting some stuff organized in the house and getting it ready for an estate sale. And I figured, what the heck? It's time to pay back, time to be a good human and help out a friend. So I flew up for a few days and helped her out doing all this stuff. So that. That's why I was up in the Sacramento area and why I flew on Southwest was again, United was ridiculously expensive and Southwest was quite affordable. So much so, I probably should have used money to pay for the tickets because it was so cheap, but I have so many points on Southwest, I decided to use some points. So I didn't actually even pay for the ticket. So I flew free on Southwest. And the other thing that was really cool about flying on Southwest, they have their policy where bags fly free. I was able to pack two bags full of stuff that I was contributing to the estate sale because I figured if I'm going up there and working, I might as well get rid of some of the items that I no longer need. So I packed two suitcases and then I had a third suitcase that had just a few clothes and the rest stuff for the estate sale. So I got three bags for free. So I thought that was a really good deal. That's really quite unbelievable. How much would you have paid just for the bags with United? The I think they're charging now $30 per bag. It's a hundred bucks you just saved. Well, it would have I still would have had the one carry-on. So yeah, the two bags would have gone. So that was 60 bucks. So yeah, that's a reasonable amount of money, I think. So how was uh how was Southwest? I mean, it's all single class service and uh, not a lot of, uh, of options available on board. What did you think? For flights under an hour, I have absolutely no problem flying. Actually, for flights under an hour and a half, I have no problem flying on Southwest at all. They deliver exactly what they promise. Flew on a 737-700, which is the smallest 737 that's available. Oddly enough, I flew up midday, and maybe that's one of the reasons why it costs so few points to get up there. Uh, From Burbank to Sacramento, Southwest has just a ton of flights, just about one every hour, hour and a half or so throughout the day. So an awful lot of flights going up and back. And on the flight up, there were 34 people on the plane. So plane that holds approximately, I want to say 145 passengers, because I only had three flight attendants. So it was certainly less than 150 passengers. There are only 34 people on the plane. Oh my gosh. That's like a private jet practically. Yeah. It was almost like flying on JetX. Yeah. It was really nice and gave out my, my little gift to each of the flight attendants. Oh my God. You would have thought that I would have given them a piece of gold. They were also happy and just like, what are you doing? Why are you giving me something? 
something. And it was just an awful lot of fun. And they came back and had a had a little chat with me mid-flight I, because there were only 33 other people on the plane. So they had some time on this uh, hour-long flight. So it was really nice spending some time hanging out with some really friendly Southwest flight attendants. That's great. Were you able to get on the, on the flight deck before or after the flight? I just popped my head in, handed each of them their card and just said, Hi, thanks for keeping me safe. And they were actually busy. Southwest pilots, they turn the plane so fast, they really don't have time to talk with passengers. They were they were working and I just didn't want to bother them. And I just handed them the card and said, here, when you have a chance, take a read of what I had to write to you. And thanks for keeping us safe. And back to my seat, I went. That's great. It's nice you're able to at least say hello. And that that's really yeah. wonderful. You know, and what you said about Southwest being fine for flights an hour and a half or less. That makes complete sense to me because Southwest is like riding on a on a high-class bus service. And I don't mean that in any kind of uh, negative manner. It's just, that's what it is. It's quick, fast service, get you where you want to go quickly uh, mm-hmm. without any, any, any fancy, you know, problems or anything. And it's boom, you're in, you're out, you're there. And that's what they deliver. They deliver a great service. You, you get what you pay for and they, they do, they do a good job. of it. Yeah. I also really like their website as well. The way that they do the pricing, it's all just right there in front of you. You don't have to search for anything, just whatever features you want. If you want early boarding, if you want a changeable ticket, if you want the ultra low discount, you can't fly standby. That's just all there all on one page and you just choose what you want. And it's super simple. And I, I really appreciate that. And the one thing that our listeners should know, and uh, but especially our international listeners, if they're shopping around for flying within the US, is that Southwest is, I believe, the only airline that only allows you to book flights in sea flights only from their own personal website. You can't find them on Google Flights. No, you they're can't... actually, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt. They are actually now working with some GDSs. There aren't oh. many, but they're they're starting to do that or they have a limited amount. But typically, yes, you have to go to the Southwest website. And that's a relatively new development. So, yes. Well, that's good to hear. I, I would love to be able to see them picked up on Google Flights, which is what I use yep. quite a bit. Although Google Flights has its ups and downs too, but we can talk about that a little later. So anyway, 34 people on a flight. Sounds very comfortable on a 737-700. What about on the way back? Was it the same aircraft? Big numbers? It was. It was a 737 because I was flying back a little later in the day, it was around four o'clock. I thought that I'd be sitting on a plane with a bunch of other state workers and there were actually 65 open seats on my flight on the way back. And because I knew I was landing in Burbank where they have air stairs and you deplane from the rear of the plane, I immediately made my way to the back of the plane and I had an entire row to myself. And there were about, I don't know, a dozen people in the last 10 rows of the plane. So I think only experienced travelers that fly in and out of Burbank know about the deplaning from the rear. And I beat probably everyone but the first five rows up in the front of the plane off. And yeah, had the whole row to myself, was really spaced out, and it was quite, quite comfortable on that flight. And that's two things that I want to comment on really quickly for our listeners that may not be aware. Sacramento is the capital of California. Mm -hmm. And there are state workers that actually will commute every day from San Francisco, from LA, from, from all over, because that's just where they work. Yeah, where the business meetings are. Absolutely. And then the other thing about Southwest is all the seats are the same. The seat pitch is the same. There's no real difference anyplace. And so when I fly Southwest, I always, when I get on, I always go to the back of the plane because I can settle. There's nobody there. Everybody wants to sit up front. 
I can't figure out why there's yeah. not a lot of difference. It might be a little quieter, but not really enough to notice. So I go to the back, I settle in, I take my time. And if the flight's empty, the odds are it'll be empty next to me. Yeah. You'll ha- you'll absolutely have the middle seat if you run towards the back. And again, especially flying into Burbank where they use the air stairs in the back, you're off the plane before the people in the front. So that part's really nice. The thing is, I've flown on Southwest on both a new, so the next generation uh, 800 and these older uh, 700s. And I swear that the seat pitch in the 700s greater than that of those of the, the 800s that Southwest has. So I actually find these smaller planes out there running up to Sacramento out of Burbank to be more comfortable, quite honestly. Well, that's, yeah, that, that would make sense. And, you know, the 700, as you said, holds, I think, in one class about 145, 149, definitely under 150. And the 800, in one class, it has 40 more passengers. It holds 189 people. So the density is a bit higher. I, you know, I heard that uh, there was a shark incident while you were, uh, <laughs> while you were flying. What, 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 what happened? It was pretty fantastic. Here in the U.S., they have Shark Week on Discovery Channel. So Discovery Channel, one of the cable stations, and they focus the entire week on sharks. And Southwest buys into this um, probably for the past 10 years where they really help promote uh, Shark Week. And at the Sacramento airport, every checking counter was decorated in Shark Week gear. I saw two or three of the flight attendants walking through the terminal that had ocean slash shark related stuff on either a necklace or kind of like in Halloween, the way you could get the ears that that go over your head. So they'd have a shark fin on. It was just hysterical how they embraced Shark Week. And on the plane, you also had TV that you could watch for free. And I actually watched an episode of Shark Week on the flight up to uh, Sacramento. So that was actually kind of fun being able to participate in my own special way in Shark Week. Well, people of a certain age will get this joke when I say, Candy Graham, Land Shark. Nope. Saturday Night Live. No. You don't remember the Land Shark bit with Chevy Chase from Saturday Night Live back around 1974, 1975? I don't. I'm going to have to YouTube that one. Well, it was hysterical for what it was at the time. Huh. Well, I guess our listeners are going to have to write in and let us know if anyone else remembers that or doesn't if they're in my camp. Or even better, you can just cut this part out so that nobody has to hear me (laughs) making a fool of myself. No, yeah, usually most of your old references I, I, I get because, well, I'm old also. But yeah, that one, I, I've never heard about that. Yeah, I think it was Chevy Chase and uh, John Belushi in the Land Shark uh, sketch. So look that up sometime. It, I, I loved it anyway. But then again, I think, well, I was a kid back then. Yeah, we were what? young, that's for sure. You know, I got another thing I wanted to ask you about with Southwest. You know, there have been so many issues with luggage, especially internationally with what's been going on at Heathrow and what's been happening over in Belfast. It's been a disaster. You checked two bags and you never checked bags. Did you have any issues flying with checked bags? Anything happened to you with it getting in and out? The biggest issue that I had with these checked bags was my anxiety over checking bags. Because of course, like you, I've been listening to the news and hearing about all these issues and bags getting sent around the world or just being left behind at an airport. So I was really concerned about my bags, but I also figured this was all stuff that I really didn't care about. So if it didn't show up, I'd be okay with that. There was absolutely no issue at all. When I got to Burbank, I got to Burbank early because I thought there was going to be a huge line to check the bags in. No line whatsoever. 
that was smooth as can be. So I figured, great, that went easy. There's going to be a problem in Sacramento. Get to Sacramento. By the time I get from the plane to the baggage carousel, my bags were already there. Both bags were there waiting for me. It was an unbelievable experience. So I'm not sure if this is because Southwest has proper staffing, because it was just a point to point. I wasn't connecting anywhere. I have no idea what happened, but all of the anxiety that I had over my bags, completely unwarranted. Southwest did a fantastic job making sure that my stuff got there before I did. It was amazing. Did you use your uh, your air tags when you checked them? I did. They were in there. And I honestly, I actually forgot to um, to check them along the way because when I got to the baggage carousel, they were there. But I would have been able to check them with the air tags. Yes. And that is a tip we want to give our listeners. If you are checking a bag, invest in an air tag. Uh, it, it just makes a lot of sense and, and gives you at least some peace of mind that you might be able to trace it if the airline can. And there have been a lot of stories where people have recovered their bags or have told the airline exactly where their bag is because they have an air tag in their luggage. Yeah. So for well, the four pack, you could get them for $25 each or individually they're $29. Just seems like a really smart investment if you enjoy the contents of your bag and want to be reunited with it ever again. And of course, when we bought ours, they were exactly that, a four pack for 99. If we would have waited, you can catch them on sale every so often. The four pack will go on sale for 88 or $89. So keep your eye out if you don't need them right away and grab yourself a set. Yeah, it's a good deal. Okay, so there's still no uh, no United miles that are really new, but where are you with your uh, your current status? Where did we, when when we left our intrepid traveler last time, his numbers included? Yeah, his numbers left off right where they are still today at two million seven hundred fifty three thousand six hundred nineteen miles, which means I have two hundred forty six thousand three hundred eighty one miles to go. Okay, so you're practically there. It's it'll happen. We're 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 getting ten percent left. You're all set. Exactly. So close yet so far. So, you know, you've been flying a lot of miles this year. Aren't you somewhere close? Shouldn't you be getting to your 1K status, at least for your, your annual 1K? Is that happening anytime soon? I am. I have several trips booked just waiting for summer to be over so I could start to travel on United again. And right now I will, I'm projected to hit 1K status in September while I'm in Singapore. And I really hope that United will process all their paperwork correctly. So when I fly home, I will fly home with 1K status as opposed to Premier Platinum status. Well, that would be good. But what does that mean? It means I will have access to a whole bunch of plus points that I could use to upgrade flights. And for domestic flights, I will have a higher priority for complimentary upgrades. So instead of being, I don't know, eighth or 10th on the list to get an upgrade, I'll be third or fourth on the list where I don't get an upgrade. No, um, sometimes the upgrades actually do clear. Uh, they clear, I guess, about 50% of the time. And it all depends on how heavy the flights are booked and where I'm going and what fare basis or what uh, the quantity of money I paid for the ticket. Because people that pay a higher fare, they will clear the upgrade list faster than someone that pays a smaller amount of money. So that makes sense. So does that mean with all those new plus points that you might be flying to Singapore in like, oh, premium economy, but you might be flying back in first or business? Exactly. That's exactly what it means. Well, that's great. That'll be really nice. And for the other flights that I already have booked this year and early next year, 
That means that I'm, of course, going to use these plus points to upgrade those flights, and I'll have a much higher chance of getting upgraded because of the elevated status that I have. And how long is that 1K status, the annual 1K status good for? Now, I know it says annual, but is it a calendar year or is it from the one year from the time you hit it? It's neither. It will go until December 31st of 2023. So had I earned 1K status in February of 22, I would have had it for the remainder of 22 and all of 23. But because I'm not going to get it until September, I will have 1K status for the remainder of 22 and all of 23. Well, that's a little confusing. How do it's it's an 18 month period or no, it's no time. How do they? It's from whenever you earn it and the following year. So you get it for the rest of the year that you're currently in, plus the following year. I got you. Okay. So yeah, if you would have flown so many miles that you got to it on January 10th, you would have had it for two years, pretty much. Exactly. And there is sort of a competition of ultra frequent flyers to see who could get it the soonest. And I know of someone one year that actually got it in April. So flying 100,000 miles between January and April, that was just crazy to me. But people do it. Yeah, I suppose they do. Pretty wild. Now, how do people support the show? If they if they like this crazy meandering that we go through, <laughs> however, when we do it, and they really want us to even continue doing it after you finally get your lifetime 1K status, what, how do they go about supporting us? And, uh, and what does that support mean? Well, there are a few ways that they could support us. One is, and it's really easy, they could just write in and let us know why they listened to the show, how they heard about it. We would absolutely love to hear from not only people in the U.S., but our international listeners as well. And we have quite a few international listeners. So like Ruben in Luxembourg, we would love to hear from all these other listeners. But if they wanted to make a financial contribution, the easiest thing for them to do is go to the donate tab on the journey is the reward.org. And we've set up a Patreon page and people can make either a one-time donation or a recurring donation. What listeners need to know is that donation isn't used for personal enrichment. It's used for the cost of the show. There's a website, there's all the broadcast fees for lack of a better term, all the listservs, all those other things, the hosting fees, it's all right there. And there's equipment that's involved. Uh, one of the things that we used it for was the Scarlet Focusrite that's giving me this great sound these days that I've got. And uh, and it turns out we need a new computer. One of the computers that we're using for this system is dates back to March 24th of 2014, as I'm looking at it. And it's having a hard time keeping up. And uh, we, we we definitely need to do that at some point or another. So it's not a question of, uh, of buying Brian a ticket. It's a question of keeping the show going. And that's what we do. Yeah. And upgrading the equipment. So the expression, and you probably know where this originates from, but the, the expression, mama needs a new pair of shoes. In this particular case, Micah needs a new computer. So any funds that we get will go towards Micah's new computer because Micah desperately needs a new computer. There's no doubt about it. I'm, you can't hear it there because Brian does some amazing editing, but you can certainly see some stutter when we're, when we're recording this. But you also offer some services for some of these uh, donations. What, what, what kind of services are you offering here? <laughs> yeah, services from the standpoint of that word can in English can be taken so many different ways. There's personal courier services. So one of the things that I'm doing actually on the trip to Singapore is I'm bringing some things with me. So I refer to this as 
plants, people, and property, I will actually escort if things need to move. So I'm actually going to be escorting some property to Singapore when I go. And so some of the fees that are being charged for uh, moving the content to Singapore will help again offset these costs that, that we have in doing the show. Another thing that I've done, which I'm not really charging for, but I have two people that have actually purchased tickets to fly with me. A guy by the name of Scott and a woman by the name of Linda, the two different trips we have planned to South Africa. And I'm actually going to be acting as a tour guide. And we're going to go to Kruger National Park and go up to Victoria Falls. And I think that that's so cool that we have two listeners that actually want to travel with me. And I've, instead of doing just a crazy overnight, I've actually extended the trip so we could turn it into a mini vacation. So that's kind of fun. And let me tell you that traveling with Brian is a blast. We've done it together a couple of times. And in fact, one of the other things we're planning to do or hoping to do is to uh, take a trip to Israel together, maybe uh, in, in 2023 sometime, assuming we yeah. can come up with it. And, uh, and that would be great. Uh, we're hoping to visit some of our listeners and uh, and have a good time on our own. It's a place that neither one of us has uh, has really seen. But have always wanted to go to. And yes, yeah, certainly as soon as I'm really hoping that airfare pricing will normalize after the summer's over and ticket prices will get back to a normal, reasonable, affordable level. And you and I will be able to book our trip to Israel in the first quarter of 2023. That would be wonderful. Now, there's a social media update, too. Actually, <laughs> it's and, a huge, yeah. it's a huge social media update. Yeah, apparently there's social media. <laughs> yeah, so now I can't complain that I'm that I'm no longer social. I get to be social now through the wonderful generosity of listener Lou. And not your dad, Lou, but our listener Lou has agreed to do social media for us. And since you're on Twitter, we're now apparently on Twitter. You're actually a follower. So you know that things have been posted on Twitter. Absolutely. And what's amazing is that if you don't count me, the journey is a reward. And by the way, that uh, Twitter ID is at TJIT reward. The journey is the reward. Besides me, there are 17 people. Act oh, no, I'm just watching it now. There are 16. No, I'm only kidding. <laughs> <laughs> there are 17 people following us. And without doing any promotion really for this whatsoever, I mean, this is the first time we've talked about it on the show. I think that's pretty amazing that we have 17 followers and I'm not even one of them. <laughs> but there's more. There's more. There's other than Twitter. We have Instagram. And yeah. I love the Instagram name. I just love your name that you that you found for Instagram. Well, I didn't do it. Listener Lou did. And the Instagram name handle, I don't even know what they call these things on Instagram. That's how antisocial I am. It is Brian Global Traveler. I just think that's perfect. And on Facebook, and I have to tell you, I have never been on Facebook. I've never been on Instagram either. I have never been on Facebook. And the, the Facebook ID is at, I guess there's an at sign on Facebook. You see, that's even new to me. Brian, the journey is the reward. Yeah, I'm not actually sure about that. I need to talk to listener Lou if the at's important or not, because like you, although I do have a Facebook account, I was active several years ago for a high school reunion. And since then, I've not been on Facebook either. So I do have an account, but this was set up special. So I don't know if the at signs required or not quite honestly but it, it definitely is brian the journey is the reward and that's where we're at 
And well, the other thing where we are that people can get a hold of us is Brian at thejourneyistherewarded.org. So people can send an email. And that's the best way because then Brian's definitely going to see it and pass it on to me. And if you want to get to me for whatever crazy reason, I'm on Twitter and my handle there is Mainfly, M-A-I-N-E, like the state, fly, F-L-Y, at Mainfly. And if we've offended anyone at this show, they could always write to I am really offended at yahoo.com. It is indeed a real email address and I do monitor it as well. So please write, reach out anywhere. And again, we would love to hear from any of our listeners, those in the US, those outside of the US borders. Please write in, ask a question. Let us hear from you. We love hearing from you. It really makes it a lot of fun to know that there's actually at least 17 of you out there listening. At least. That's how you get a hold of us. Brian, what's your next trip? Is it coming up? You said you were flying in August. Where are you going? I am going to do one of those crazy turnaround trips to Hawaii again. And this time, instead of going to Oahu, I have never been to Kauai, and I'm going to do a four-segment trip to Kauai. Well, that sounds like fun. And when's that? So that's going to be August 23rd through 25th. I will take off from Los Angeles on the 23rd, get there in the evening of the 23rd, check into the hotel. Hopefully I will have a bit of an opportunity to go snorkeling. I will stay overnight. I have an 11 a.m. flight back to Los Angeles. I hope to do some snorkeling in the morning because I have all my gear packed already for this trip. I will stay overnight the evening in Los Angeles, get back on a plane, fly back to Kauai, be on the ground in Kauai for about 45 minutes, 50 minutes, however long it takes them to turn the plane and then fly back to Los Angeles again. That's another crazy one. It sounds like just a lot, a lot. That's a macadamia nut of a trip. That's what I could say. <laughs> I couldn't pass it up. It was $237 round trip going to Hawaii. Oh my gosh. No, you can't pass that one up. That's pretty unbelievable. So I know I said that I wasn't going to travel over the summer, but for $200, $37. I could not pass it up. Absolutely not. And then when do you uh, bring your documents to Singapore? That is happening August 30th. I fly to Singapore and I will be back in California on September 1st. So that is definitely going to be a fast trip. You have a very busy last week of August. Oh my gosh. I do. And then there's another event where if people want to see if I'm really crazy in person, there's a company in Southern California called Plain Tags. They have a sister company called Moto Art, and they're having an open house again. This is going to be their second annual open house, and I will be there August 12th and August 13th. And I'm going to have my recording equipment, so possibly we could record something for this show. But the main reason why I'm going to be there is for the Airplane Geeks as the field correspondent contributor whatever my title is on the Airplane Geeks. And I hope to talk to some people. And if we have any of our listeners that attend the Plain Tags event, please come on out. They're in Torrance, California, which is a suburb of Los Angeles, August 12th and 13th. And hopefully you can take a picture for me because I want to see Brian holding a plane tag with an air tag. <laughs> I could do that. Tag, you're it. I guess that's the end of another episode of The Journey is a Reward. So from here in Portland, Maine, this is your main man, Micah. And this is your global traveler, Brian. Fly safely. And we're back. We are. You're traveling for, uh, you're not traveling for vacation. You're not traveling for business. You're traveling for a purpose. Mm -hmm. And it's an important purpose. And you're trying to do that at a reasonable rate. So right. basically, if you could give them the $850 and not have to sit in the seat, you would, you know, for the same amount of miles, you would do it. So, oh, yeah.
with all the airport travels travels but you decided you were go you were going to go to santa barbara what or sacramento i'm sorry wasn't it sacramento yeah it was sacramento it means I will have access to the upgrade certificates or the, I'm sorry, now they're called plus points. I could just re-record that. I would have had it for the re remaining, remaining. It is used for the cost of maintaining the website. Well, not that there's a website, but. Uh, no. The, oh, there, yeah, there, you're going to have to do there, that there, over do that. again. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> but I have never been on Faceback. Faceback? Yeah, <laughs> I take that back. Your last week of August is going to be nuts because yep. you're on the, you know, it's for a whole week. You're going to Hawaii twice and you're going to Singapore once, you know, Correct. within seven days. So that'll let you know. I don't think I gave you too much to edit. I don't, I hope, I don't think I fouled up too many times. No, no. That's why we're a team. <laughs> so I guess that's it for this week, this month, this episode of the journey is the reward.